Today we're continuing our our series this fall, What Disciples Do, as each week we're exploring another aspect of what it means to follow Jesus. Today we return to Luke's gospel as Jesus tells a parable, one that is addressed to some in the group that were a little high and mighty on themselves. I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 18th chapter of the gospel of Luke, beginning with the ninth verse. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, was praying thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all my income. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even look up to heaven, but was beating his breast and saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his home justified rather than the other. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Clark Howard uh, hosts a radio show on personal finance I've listened to from time to time. Uh, People call in and he gives advice on their questions and issues they might be having. He's been a highly acclaimed voice in this field for decades now, something that I think could give a lot of people a big head but not Clark. He certainly holds his opinion, but he's often very humble about what he doesn't know, or even more so when he messes up. Each week on his show, he has a segment called Clark Stinks, where one of his producers will read comments from listeners about the places where Clark's advice wasn't helpful, or he got something wrong, or sometimes the listener's just flat out angry with something he said. He listens, He responds to each of the comments respectfully. Sometimes he doubles down on what he said, but more often than not, he'll note that there was something he missed or wasn't aware of. Talk about humble. I'm amazed that he can do this every week, week in and week out, but even more so that he says it's one of his favorite parts of the show. The reason why is because it helps him serve his audience better. Or my translation of his words there would be, It keeps him grounded and humble. In our lesson today, Jesus talks about humility, of humbling oneself before God. And in true Jesus form, he addresses them by telling a parable. He says, two men go up to the temple to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. Now, to be honest, in the first century, the beginning of this almost has the feeling of a joke. Because these two people are really caricatures. The Pharisees are exemplars of piety, and tax collectors are the exemplars of greed and evil. If we were among the first people to hear this parable back in the first century, we'd already be making a bunch of judgments about each of these men. That's kind of the point, but I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. For now, know that it's truly odd that these two men could be doing the same act in the same place but also be worlds apart, 
socially and spiritually. First, we have the Pharisee. The Pharisees are among the religious elite. They're known for their piety, but compared to the Sadducees and some of the other religious elite groups, they're actually considered to be quite progressive in their theology for the day. They actively questioned religious hierarchy in place at the time, and they proclaimed a priesthood of all believers. Because of this, they held that worship could be done in places other than the temple, synagogues, for instance, or even in the home. So it's honestly a little odd that we find this Pharisee praying in the temple. Something else you need to know about Pharisees. They really didn't like the Roman Empire, the people occupying their, their territory at the time. And this contempt for Rome was passed on to anyone who cooperated or worked with Rome, especially tax collectors. So the Pharisee goes to the front of the temple, closer to the ark, the most prominent place in the temple, because that's where the presence of God is to be found. Then we hear his prayer. He prays big and looks heavenward. God, I thank you I'm not like all these awful people, like this tax collector over there. I'm so glad I'm not like him. I fast twice a week, I give. You know, it's as if, it's, it's as if he's praying, hey God, look at how well I'm doing. You're pretty lucky to have a follower like me. For him, prayer has become a way to lift himself up and put others down. If we're honest with ourselves, I think we can all look to times when we thank God that we're not like so-and-so. Or perhaps life's hard right now, but hey, it's at least not as bad as so-and-so has it. So that's the Pharisee. Next we meet the tax collector. Tax collectors in this day are far from what we know uh, about the IRS employees uh, today. Scholar Elizabeth Johnson says that the tax collectors are franchisees, or back in this day, or franchisees of a corrupt and Byzantine system that gouges the poor and enriches the wealthy. They were universally thought to be sinners, but even more so to be pawns of the Roman Empire at the expense of their neighbor. Now, normally, a tax collector would be a wealthy person that was assigned. They didn't stand up and volunteer for this. The, Rome would pick a wealthy person in the area to pay their district share of the taxes to the empire on behalf of their whole district. In turn, that person was commissioned to go and collect the taxes for their district in any way they saw fit, meaning that anything above what he paid to the empire that he collected, he could keep as profit. It should go as no surprise then that these folks weren't exactly welcomed with open arms in the community. So this tax collector also goes up to the temple to pray. But unlike the Pharisee, he goes as far away from God's presence as possible. He can't even bring himself to look heavenward, but he looks down to the ground. He hits his chest, a sign of repentance. He calls for God's mercy upon him, a sinner, essentially paraphrasing Psalm 51. Unlike the Pharisee, the tax collector checks his status at the door. He humbles himself before God. His community tells the tax collector that he's not worthy, that he's greedy, that he's unredeemable. 
Yet this tax collector goes in seeking forgiveness, confident in God's love for him. And he goes home justified. If we go back to the very beginning of our lesson, or remember the reason why Jesus tells this parable to begin with. Luke tells us that Jesus told the parable to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. So he tells the parable to those who find their own righteousness. Basically, the prideful. Theologian Karl Barth said that pride is the chief sin of the religious person because it is fundamentally idolatrous. It confuses creator and creation, giver and gift. The parable then is essentially a warning against pride and self-righteousness. That word in, right, that word in Greek uh, for righteous is dikaio. It's the same Greek word that's used to describe the tax collector's feeling of going home justified. Dikaio. So Jesus tells this parable to those who trusted their own righteousness, their own dikaio. But it's the despised tax collector who experiences God's own dikaio. How? By humbling himself in prayer and worship before God. So as I said, we have two men going up to the temple to pray. One goes in righteous from his lofty status in the community, but the other leaves the temple righteous because he's been brought near to God in prayer and has been transformed by God's amazing and redeeming love. This tax collector teaches us to humble ourselves in prayer and worship before God, to offer God our brokenness in prayer, not our own righteousness, each week we do this, and we just did this, in fact, a few minutes ago in worship, in the prayer of confession. Like Clark Stinks that I talked about earlier, the prayer of confession each week, for me, is like Jim Stinks, or insert your own name here, because it allows us to name and share our brokenness, to humble ourselves before God, to remind ourselves that we are still in need of God's grace and forgiveness. Humbling ourselves is a good message to take from this parable, but it's not the only one. If we return to the premise of the parable, Jesus tells it to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. The NIV translation has, this, has it as this, those who look down on everyone else. The Pharisee's pride and self-righteousness leads him to judge others. He says, thank you, God, that I'm not like all those other bad people out there, like this tax collector over here. The irony, though, is that if we were among the first hearers of the story, we'd be making these same judgments ourselves. As I said before, Pharisees are caricatures of piety and righteousness, whereas tax collectors of greed and evil. So we'd be typecasting these folks just like the Pharisees. As people, it shows us that as people, we're prone to self-righteousness. And this leads us to judge others who are different from ourselves. Whether it's a different background or social standing, such a list could go on and on, but I think you get the point. 
our brokenness can often take the form of self-righteousness, and this leads to judging others. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus reminds us that judgment belongs to God alone. He reminds followers not to cast the first stone and to take the log out of your own eye before the speck of your neighbor's. Unfortunately, the church isn't immune to such contemptuous and judgmental mindsets. We make judgments about who is and is not holy, who God does and does not love, who will and will not be saved. Things disciples ought to leave to God alone to judge. Pastor Martin Thielen shared a story about a friend. He was going through a difficult divorce and in the midst of this stopped going to church. Now this guy had a judgmental co-worker and she started hounding him day in and day out to attend her church with her. Thielen reflected that this co-worker had no concern for his personal struggles, but she just knew that he was going to go to hell if he did not attend her church. His co-worker attempted this and hounded him for months while Thielen's friend tried with everything he had to remain polite. Finally, she wore him down. When she asked, don't you want to go to heaven? His friend, in his weariness and frustration, replied, not if it's full of people like you. (laughs) Two people go up to the temple to pray. Two men who are worlds apart doing the same thing. They're united in the same place in the act of prayer. In such a time of division and polarization in our world and the resulting judgment of such realities, I think there's a lot of hope to be grasped from this, too. Outside the temple, these two men would never associate with one another. But here in the temple, they're together, doing the same thing. One may be doing it a little more properly than the other, but... They're in the same place, doing the same thing. It shows us that prayer and worship of God brings us together across all the things that divide us in the world. The church really can cross these divides and bring us into fellowship with one another as together we humble ourselves before God. As a wise person once said, the church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. It's a place for us to humble ourselves like the tax collector, to offer our brokenness to God in hope of redemption and transformation. These are really fitting themes for us today as we recognize Reformation Sunday. Staying humble, humility, leaving judgment to God alone, not the church. These are all key aspects of the Reformation as the Reformers Uh, Recall Paul's words that all fall short and are in need of God's grace. John Calvin says it best that uh, when he claims that Christ alone stands as our judge, but we have confidence and hope because we know that our judge is also our redeemer. Friends, disciples humble themselves and leave judgment to God alone. It's all so easy, but it's also difficult to live out. Friends, may we strive to live as disciples. May we follow our risen Lord, knowing full well that we'll fall short, but that in naming our brokenness, we might experience God's grace, redemption, 
and transformation. To the Lord our God, Alpha and Omega, be all glory and honor forever. Amen.